the way we consume and share news today. It is larger rooted in social media. L, it's a reason why it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online. From the hottest issues of trends for our daily social media minute, we're joined by Erica. Good morning. Good morning. It is beautiful outside. Have you seen? <laughs> she hasn't seen the outdoors yet. <laughs> I love your sense of humor. <laughs> so early in the morning. <laughs> it's like foggy outside or hazy. What is what is that? It's snowing. Is it snowing? Yes. Oh. Good morning. <laughs> Snow has piled up. People be careful on the roads. I'm glad I got you all caught up and ready to brace the Thank outdoors. You. Okay, let's jump into our first buzzword of the day. Uh, Phonophobia. We've talked about it before on the segment, too. Uh, there's a particular generation who's afraid to pick up a call and have a conversation. Uh, they'd rather text. And that's okay, but what does this mean for communication going forward? That seems to be an important question. Yeah. I mean, did you ever think that uh, there would come a day when kids would not know or feel very uncomfortable talking on the phone? And yet... <laughs> Um, the phone is a device that uh, they simply cannot live without. It's almost an extension of their bodies. You know what I mean? If you think it, about it, that's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? And yeah. phones are so high tech that, you know, we've advanced to an extent where I question at CES every year, what more can you do to the smartphone? Yet, we don't want to pick it up and have a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so this is because uh, Gen Z, even some of the millennials, uh, they're more used to texting. Mm. Uh, use the phones to text. They're, that's their primary means of communicating mm. with other people. And now it seems they're experiencing something called phone phobia. Uh, they're scared to use their cell phones for their original purpose. And uh, it seems that now people are paying a lot of money to take lessons to learn this lost art of answering the phone. <laughs> I used to joke with some of my friends from overseas that if you want to learn something, you should come to Seoul. Because if anything is a trend, we'll have a class for you. And it is a land of tutors and two T's. It's go to Hagwons to learn how to jump rope, <laughs> learn how to play board games, you name it. You name it and we have it, I guarantee you. Okay, so this is a generation, as you've said, more used to texting, emails, text messages, messenger services. It makes sense. It didn't happen overnight. Um, but increasingly, uh, it is evident that there's an entire generation who fear it so much yeah. and they would rather just have everything on text. That's right. We're talking about uh, the people who were born between 1980 and the early 2000s, um, you know, and uh, I, I mentioned that people are paying a lot of money to get lessons yeah. uh, to learn the art of speaking on the phone. Um, you know, speech tutoring has become very popular, mm -hmm. apparently. It costs between 30000 won, roughly 25 US dollars, and uh, a little over $800 per hour. Uh, and people are taught things from their tutors like speech manners and how to initiate small talk with their boss or colleagues on the phone. Okay, and, uh, so maybe yeah. that, that also has a cultural angle or, or etiquette. It's not like we ever had classes going into the workforce. This is how you should talk to your boss. This is how you should handle business calls. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you would learn this. <laughs> maybe not so not so uh, uh, concentrated on taking phone calls. but That's right. You know, and talking to your friend, if you think about it, talking to your friend on the phone. Yeah. 
and uh, talking to your boss on the phone are two very different things. Oh, I, I use different voices, literally. <laughs> of course. Um, and call phobia, uh, this expression I've used before, it's making communication increasingly challenging at work for the younger generation mm -hmm. employees. Uh, when a manager calls their junior employee or someone that just got hired, uh, apparently these youngins often don't pick up the phone. Uh, they text back instead. Uh, okay, so I, I f that makes me uncomfortable. It feels like a social faux pas. It, it yeah. feels like it could be misunderstood, uh, misinterpreted by the boss. Wouldn't you feel uncomfortable if yeah. you s picked up your phone and there were several unanswered calls from your boss? It would I would me. feel so bad and I would call back immediately. Yeah. But not this generation. It's like a reflex because I mm. would question what's wrong. I mean, it would require a sense of urgency for a boss to right. call me when I'm not working. So different generation, different standards. I get it. Exactly. This is all very ironic because the purpose of a phone call and its most basic level, if you think about it, is to often minimize unnecessary misunderstandings <laughs> get to the point yeah. uh, it's not isolated to just South Korea is it no no uh, a similar phenomenon is uh, being spotted elsewhere in the world among the younger generation uh, for example there is a consultancy a company based in Canada called the phone lady <laughs> That's Which kind of funny. was, um, yeah, it was set up to help people improve their phone etiquette. And young workers are paying as much as $480 an hour to get help in overcoming their fear of talking on the phone. Now, call phobia, uh, it existed. It has existed uh, for a while, even before COVID-19 started. But uh, it's become worse because these newly hired younger workers mm. uh, were forced to go through these long periods of contactless communication. And because they telecommunicated, uh, they, they telecommuted, they didn't have the opportunity to naturally sort of you know, interact uh, with their coworkers and uh, hence to build intimacy with their colleagues. And uh, that's why this phenomenon is uh, being spotted with more frequency, mm. I guess. We, we There was always a little bit of discomfort, but did it progress? Did they become more severe questions of uh, do these phone etiquette classes work? I would like to yeah. know for someone who has taken it, because I mean, I think phone etiquette is different. I mean, having the right sense of manner to take the phone call. Yeah, that's just a business class like the most basic level. So maybe there's that's something right. to learn. Um, you know, I, I I noticed something really interesting amongst my students. I mean, these are teenagers, right? And, uh, you know, uh, the, these kids text everyone, you know, they, they don't even pick up my phone calls. <laughs> they always text back to come to think of it. But uh, I noticed a, a rather interesting trend, which is that uh, they, they share photos of call time images on their social media. And the reason why they're doing it is they want to highlight just how close they are to this particular person they spoke with on the phone. And uh, I, I thought at the time, I was like, why are they doing this? And now it sort of kind of makes sense. <laughs> I'm laughing because I can't realize, I, I, I guess I'm from a different generation because I didn't realize mm -hmm. there's novelty to taking a snapshot of a longer phone call to show that I'm close to this person. I must oh be close God. to all my coworkers. <laughs> 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 I want to do it. I want to be part of the next generation. This is it. Uh... <laughs>
All right, let's move on to our second buzzword of the day. Uh, phone phobia, is, it seems here to stay. How do we tackle it? How do we ensure that communication is not lost between different generations? Mm. I think that will be a reoccurring theme. Now, our second uh, key word is about the weather conditions we've been having. Yeah. Um, today's slightly warmer because of the snow, but mm-hmm. yesterday was something else. Yeah. Uh, So for those of you who've been tuning in to the show these past couple of days, you heard us complain about just how cold it is here in South Korea. Well, it wasn't just us. Tens of millions uh, across East Asia experienced the severe cold snap. Uh, Sub-zero temperatures, heavy snow brought travel chaos during the holiday season not too long ago. And now climate experts are warning that uh, this kind of extreme weather events, uh, it's become the new norm um, because of climate change, of course. Um, Yesterday, the morning low in, in Seoul was what, 18, minus 18 degrees Celsius. And uh, on the island of Jeju, uh, there were uh, hundreds of flights that were canceled due to harsh weather conditions. Uh, Passenger ships were forced to stay docked because of high waves across the border in North Korea. Authorities warned of extreme weather conditions there as well. Uh, Temperatures in parts of the north were expected to dip below minus 30 degrees Celsius. Look at that. I mean, it's not just isolated to South Korea, even to our neighbor north. Right. Minus Um, In Japan, Uh in China as well. In neighboring Japan, for example, hundreds of domestic flights were canceled on Tuesday and Wednesday due to heavy snow and strong winds. Again, hundreds of flights and high-speed trains were suspended. Uh, China's Central Weather Agency also forecast big temperature drops in parts of the country. Uh, It issued a blue alert for a cold wave, which is the lowest level in the country's four-tier warning system. Now, in China's northernmost city, uh, it, it saw temperatures drop to minus 53 degrees Celsius. It's it's the coldest it's ever been reported. Minus 53 degrees Celsius, yeah. not Fahrenheit. I think I think that, I don't even know what that feels like, Eric. It, it does strike you, doesn't it? Yeah, that number itself. It looks like mm. a typo. Uh, okay, so scientists, of course, want to try to better understand why these extreme yeah. weathers are here to stay. You said they alluded to a new norm. That's right. Uh, they're saying that extremely hot weather in the summer months and extremely cold weather in the winter months is one of the signs of climate change. Um, the extreme cold wave on the Korean Peninsula uh, is being attributed to Arctic winds from Siberia. And uh, the frequent and heavy snowfall in South Korea this winter season is due to the melting of Arctic ice caps from a warming climate. So what happens is when sea ice melts, it basically opens up the ocean, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that sends up more vapor into the air, which leads to more snow in the northern regions. And uh, as climate change worsens, this region, the East Asian region, would likely face more severe cold weather in the future. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? You have to look at, take a look at the big picture because you think global warming, you think everything should be It's warm. all about just getting hot. That's yeah, not it. yeah. It, it does mean hotter summers or weather irregularities, things that we aren't prepared for in each geographical region. And so, yes, it is a sign of climate change worsening another 
uh, hard to ignore red flag. I do want to get to our last story rather quickly. Mm -hmm. An Italian brown bear, apparently... It was quite famous, uh, welcomed in the neighborhood. Uh, literally, it grew up with the people of this neighborhood. Yeah. And so uh, the passing of the bear, the passing, the death of the yeah. bear. Yeah, I think it caused a little bit of social media support and war- heartwarming stories about, well, growing up with the bear. Yes. Yeah, so Italians are mourning the death of this rare brown bear. Uh, he became famous for his strolls, his jaunts to a small mountain village or villages around the area in the Abruzzo region. Uh, he was killed after being hit by a car in the town of Castel di Sangro on Monday afternoon. And uh, he was three years old, affectionately called Juan Carito. And, uh, you know, in the past, there were two failed attempts to release him into the wild. And after that, his visits to these villages became more brazen and more frequent. Uh, the town the bear considered to be his home was actually a ski resort. Uh, he was uh, photographed in the area feasting on a batch of uh, freshly baked cookies after breaking into a local bakery back in 2021. Uh, he was also spotted drinking from a fountain in the village. Uh, he would often stay overnight. <laughs> he would sleep among the pine trees before going off in search of more food. And uh, he was one of four cubs born to a, a bear called Amarena. And, uh, you know, it's really rare for these types of bears to give birth to more than two or three cubs. And uh, at the time, his birth or their births, uh, it, it was uh, the, the focus of a lot of public attention. Mm. And uh, one of the first villages which uh, the cub visited was a town called Carito, hence his nickname. Uh, one of our listeners asked, uh, did he have a great life? And it seems yes. And he was a very social bear, which is kind of yes. uncharacteristic for his breed. Mm, and uh, their numbers, he's a, he's a Marsican brown bear. They're critically endangered species, and uh, their numbers in the area have dwindled to about 50 mm-hmm. over the past two decades. Hence why Juan and the people of the village coexisted. I mean, it, it is a beautiful story in the sense that you can coexist a wild animal. I mean, if the circumstances are right, maybe there's a lesson to be learned about preserving these endangered species. Yes. Thank you very much, Erica. Pleasure. Have a safe day. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.